0: At the top. And here are some verses for us. Whoa! Oh, we're off to a bad start here. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away. And you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. our righteousness. These are the prophetic words, the words of God given through the prophet. Now, you discerning readers that you all are, you will notice and you will recognize that this is a messianic passage. Anytime any prophet is talking about a future great king from David's lineage, that's probably messianic now we've been learning these names week to week and as we learn these names like like that one down there and they all kind of have a similar look to them and when we as we learn these you know our theology is kind of filled out the more we learn god is a person and we're learning who that person is one of the ways you learn is through these passages the revelation of character traits by learning the names. Each one a facet. Sort of like uh, the facets of a diamond. And you turn it this way just a little and then you see another element of who God is. Interesting that here, unlike those other passages, here Yahweh speaks in the third person. His name will be called. Yeah, that's part of that messianic element here. What does it mean to be righteous. What does it mean? To be righteous. Words are funny because, uh, you know, they rise and fall in their usage and in their popularity. So the word righteous or the noun righteousness, I think we would agree, doesn't have a high usage rate just in the broad culture. The culture we live in now just doesn't really go around throwing the word righteous around or righteousness when the word is used today and just in the secular realm just out and about when the word is used most likely it's either as slang as in that's totally righteous dude or or it may be given as a as a negative trait about somebody like it's not a compliment in fact, I think for a whole lot of people, if they use the word righteous to describe somebody, it's negative and it's, and it's prefaced by the word self. Nobody wants to be accused of being self-righteous. If it's not being used like that, the few, the few times it's used, it's being used by Christians. talking about the Bible like we are right now. Now, that's, so, so that's kind of how that word in our, in our day and time is seen. However, however, the word justice. Ah, now that's a different story. Very different. Justice is a much more popular word with a much higher usage rate in the culture. And universally seen as positive. And really important. A lot of, it's, on the, it's on the lips and minds of a lot of people, the word justice. Now, why am, I, um, why am I making the comparison between the two words? Well, hold that thought. Hold that question and hang with me while I first get to our Hebrew word of the day, which you knew was coming. You're not going to get out of here without feasting your eyes on the funny characters of the Hebrew So here is our name this time around. It's in English there underneath. It's transliterated. This is what we read in that verse just now. His name will be called Yahweh Sidkenu. Sidkenu. That's a wild one. T-S, to begin a word. We don't see a lot of that. That's actually a letter. Some alphabets have cool letters in them that ours doesn't. But this is the word. Yahweh Sidkenu. Moses once said, asked the question, trying to grapple and deal with the justice of God. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Won't he be just? Isn't that who he is? Yes, yes it is. And so, but we're back to the question then. But what does it mean? Righteous. What does it really mean to be Righteous. Sometimes doctrinal terms we overcomplicate them. You know, we we think I can't really understand that it's because it's it's too highfalutin a word. And one of the best things we can do is bring a word down to what it really means. You know, no word is any more intimidating than what its meaning actually is, if that makes sense. Put it another way, All, every word is only as scary or intimidating as what it means. Once you know what it means, big wow. Righteousness really is simply rightness, if you will, as in lining up correctly with a standard. Rightness. But the thing is, this word, that now this now this means our righteousness. The little anu at the end in Hebrew it tells you that that's how they say that hour but so this is the root of this word for righteous or righteousness is the word sedek with that little ts sedek and this word just like its greek equivalent that's that appears all over the place in the new testament this word can be and is translated not just righteous but just And the noun form of it isn't just translated righteousness, it's also translated justice. And it appears that way in many verses in your English Bible. Same word. Same word. Listen to some of the uses of the word tzedek. In fact, I got a slide that's uh, for those with good eyesight. Leviticus 19.36 You shall have just balances and just weights. This is sort of God giving the law to the people about how they're going to run their society. And he's talking here to the authorities and the judges. And he's saying to them, you shall have, as in you must have, you better have, just balances and weights. Your system had better be just. Same word. Deuteronomy 1.16 Again, God speaking. And I charged your judges at this time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously, same word, between a man and his brother or the alien who was with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. Partial is bad. That's the opposite of righteous judgment. He's showing partiality. There it is again in Deuteronomy 16. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God has given you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. and You shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. There's that word again. And here it comes more. Here comes more of that word. Justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God has given you how about that usage i mean there's and you see this all throughout psalm 9 psalm says when my enemies turn back they stumble and perish before your presence for you have maintained my just cause you have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment So you're getting the sense of what the word means. Justice, rightness, righteousness, all kind of the same idea. Which is, there's a standard and you line up correctly with it. So that you're in the right. Otherwise you're out of whack and you are unjust or you are unrighteous. Think about this. Think about what it means when you try to justify your actions. Anybody here ever trying to justify your actions? Anyone ever doing that stuff? No. Of course not. <laughs> None of you would do that. What, what are we doing when we seek to justify? Think about what it means, what, what it is we're actually doing when we try to justify our actions. Really, it means that when, when you're trying to do that, you're trying to demonstrate... You're trying to make a case for yourself that what you did was in fact right. That what you did, that action, as you seek to justify it, what you're trying to say is, it was a just act. I was righteous in doing it. I wasn't bad in doing it. It wasn't wrong to do. So for example, and pardon me if it's a grim example, but if I were to shoot a man, okay? Now, just with no other context, bad, you shot a man. But not like uh, but let's say that I begin to explain why it happened. And and not like uh, not like the guy in the Johnny Cash song. I didn't shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Right? But I but I explain to you that what happened is this man approached and entered the playground full of kids. And this man was armed to the teeth with lots of ammo and a crazy look in his eye. And he was about to do something horrible and terrible. And I shot him to stop him from doing it. When I say that, what I'm doing is I'm seeking to justify my act. Meaning, I'm trying to convince you that what I did was the right thing to do. It was a just shooting. It was a righteous kill, as they sometimes say. See you get the picture? That's what just so I'm trying to take my action, which maybe on the surface, or maybe you know, just initially appears like I've I've left, I've missed the mark. I did something bad. But I'm saying, no, 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 no. If you understand the context of it, then in fact, what I did was actually right. I'm trying to line my action up with the standard of what is right to say, yes, I yes, I did that. <laughs> of course, context matters with all of this stuff. It's like if you say to someone, um, yeah, old uh, Leonard over there. Leonard purposefully purposefully inflicts pain on children. He did it last week. Well, he sounds like a terrible, despicable person. However, Leonard may seek to justify his actions by saying, I'm a child surgeon. Yes, yes I do sometimes inflict some physical pain as part of a procedure to save lives. That justifies the act, does it not? Now, we, in in our constant attempts to justify our actions, because we are inherently and incurably self-justifying creatures. I mean, this is just what we do all the time. We do it in our minds, trying to convince ourselves. Like it says, you know, you've got we've got a constant sort of like uh, we are we act as our own greasy, oily lawyer internally to try to uh, get ourselves off for every bad thing we do to try to persuade ourselves you know it wasn't so bad because after all you know and then we do it to, verbally to other people so we even try to do it to God Lord I know I did that but, but hear me out it's so hard to do the right thing Lord so you know it's okay right because it's hard so The act of seeking, trying to justify our actions is not always successful. (laughs) We're only as successful as our case, as the merits of our case. Just like every defense attorney doesn't always successfully defend what a guy did. We're not always successful in our own defense. We we try to justify all of our actions. We're We're not always successful in doing it. In fact, it's... It's one of the things that plagues all people. Is the question that all people have, the need we have. The question being, how can a sinful person find the justification that we need? How? Where? How can I? It's like if you've been accused of things and there's no way out, and you feel like I have no, I felt like I have no case, I have no advocate, I'm doomed, I'm going down, I can't. How can, I, how can I walk out of this courtroom? Or is my life over? And that is the condition of man's heart. As we know that we really, ultimately, in the final analysis, we're going into the big courtroom in the end without a very good case. When people today protest and take to the streets, and when they say, we want justice, well, that comes from something natural and innate inside of them. Some basic recognition being made in the image of God. They are seeking to put things right. But you know what they're really saying, and they don't realize it, is they want a righteous society. What they're really saying, their deepest need and their deepest want, is in fact that they want the, a perfect and righteous God. What they really want is Yahweh... Sid Kanu, they want the Lord, our righteousness. That's who they really need. That's what they really want. They want for they want for a just God to reign over the earth and in their lives and in their cities and in society overall. That's what they really seek. They don't know that's what they seek. They just go out and say, "We want justice. We want justice." They're unaware that justice means righteousness. And that righteousness is a characteristic of God, and they're not going to find it anywhere else. Jesus used the equivalent word for this when he said, Matthew 5 6, Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. See, it's okay to want, right? It's good to want things to be just, to think for things to be put right, for things to line up correctly with the perfect standard of God. You should want that. You should want it all around, but you should want it for you. That's the tough part. sort of easy, it's always easy to look out externally and say, that's not right, that's unjust, that ain't righteous over there, that's all out of whack, that needs to be made right, it's easy to see it out there. It's not as easy to see it in here. And Christians can do this too because we we will say and we will know and we will recognize that every sin against somebody is a sin against God. That's true, isn't it? Every sin against someone, it is a sin against that person, but it's it's also a sin against God. Every sin anyone has ever, every wrong anyone's ever done against you, was a wrong they also did against God. But there's another side to that coin. Because every wrong you ever did to someone else was a wrong you also committed against God. That's that's kind of sobering. Especially, again, considering the final courtroom. And how I'm going to fare in my last and ultimate and biggest case when I'm standing to be judged and how that might go and I think that might rightly put fear into people but you see here's some good doctrine for communion today you want some communion related doctrine Romans chapter 1 says for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That last line, taken from the prophet Habakkuk, that's why it says, as it is written. You know that last line changed the course of history, in a way. If you uh, were to try to isolate a single verse above just about all others, that was most impactful on Martin Luther, the writer of the hymn of gathering we sang today. I mean, there's a lot. He you know he taught the Psalms and he saw a lot in the Psalms and then he taught through Romans and there was a lot of stuff in Romans and the other experiences he had. But if you really wanted to isolate get it down really to a single if there's a single verse that really really encapsulated it for him that really put him over the edge. This was it. That the just shall live by faith. It's the same word, right? The righteous shall live, the just. That's the King James says the just shall live. So a lot of you learned it that way first. And it's the same word. Because, because you know, Luther was a man aware of his condition, more so than most people today. He was aware of how bad of shape he was in the courtroom and do, did everything he could to work it off, you know, to, uh, you know, time served, right, all that, to try to, and it just wasn't working for him until he came to realize that this... Powerful. This, this doctrine exploded his whole universe, blew his planet up, because he suddenly he got it, it, it transfixed his mind, and he thought, "Ah, this is it. The righteous. In order for me to finally line my crooked self up with the standard and be found right in the eyes of God, all my monkin," which is the verb for being a monk. That's you know, who wants to go monkin today? You want to go monk some? Let's let's monk. Let's get our monk on. You're going to have to go live in the by yourself and, you know, sleep on the heart, whatever, all that stuff he did, you know? It just didn't put him right. He He still didn't think he, ah, he still felt like, I don't know. I still feel like I'm probably in bad shape here until he came to see how this works, what the gospel meant, what it meant that the just, the righteous shall live by faith. So this is why the Messiah, who would come, who would be a king, who would sit on the throne of David, who would judge righteously, finally, in Israel. Israel couldn't find a righteous judge. Not a perfect not a perfect king, not a perfectly righteous judge. Our system can never be perfect. You will, there will always be cause for people to take to the streets because we'll never have a perfect system here. That's right. And it will err on all sides. It will err on both ways. Yes. Um, you know, some parts of the world you would go to their system would be so harsh, so rigid, so exacting, so authoritarian, that lots and lots of people would wind up punished. who don't deserve to be punished? Because that you know, there are people today languishing in prison dungeons, gulags, re-education camps and whatever else, really, in parts of the world right now, who have done no wrong? But they're part of a system that is it, it it's it their so-called justice system is so corrupt, it just sweeps through, just takes a lot of people. But there's another side, and there are many people today who want to err the other way, and exact no justice on anyone who does wrongdoing. Open all the prison doors, clear it all out. We need no police. We need no prisons. It's all We don't need all that. That's not nice. That's not justice either. The Bible doesn't present that. Both of those would be... Both of those are corrupt distortions. They are both unjust and unrighteous. And you see, there was an act that took place... And this really zeroes us in on communion this morning. There was an act that took place that was entirely unjust, completely unjust, but not unjust in a corrupt way. Because what, what thwarted justice in that case wasn't corruption. It wasn't a bribe. It wasn't partiality. All those sinful things. It was mercy. It was justice because grace interrupted justice. You know, one of the crucified men, criminals, No, they knew they were criminals. I remember one of them looked at the other one and said, hey, you should stop hurling insults on this guy. It says in Luke 23, he says, we, talking to him and the other criminal, we are indeed suffering justly. And that's the word. The New Testament, the Greek word, dikaios, justice, righteousness. He says, we, you and me, We're suffering rightly. Getting our due punishment for our deeds. But this man, this man has done no wrong. He shouldn't be here. So did this messianic Yahweh, the one whose name would be called the Lord our righteousness, did he in fact come? Yes, he did. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, the apostle says for he, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us why so that we might become the what the righteousness of God in him